0: Welcome to The Peel, where we break through the surface of sustainability in Florida and get to the juicy stuff at the center of it all. I'm your host, Amber Whittle, Executive Director of South Bay Sarasota at the Florida House. We're a nonprofit that is increasing the resilience, affordability, and health of Florida's buildings and communities. And we're saving the planet along the way. Check out our programs and events at southbase.org sarasota And schedule your tour of the Florida House Green Demonstration Home and Gardens today. Our guest today is Tessa Healy, STEAM Integration Coach at Wilkinson Elementary. Welcome, Tessa. Hi. Thanks for joining us on The Peel. So we met because we're on the same campus. So um, Florida House sits on school board property next to the Fab Lab and Wilkinson is right behind us. Yes, we're neighbors, backyard neighbors. Backyard neighbors. Um, (laughs) So tell me, when you were telling me about your position, it sounded super cool and very unique. So can you tell me about it and how you got to it? Yeah, I think I'm the only one in the school district. I'm so lucky to have this position. So it kind of fell into my lap a little bit. We had a steam integration coach at Wilkinson last year and she moved on to the district level. So I took her position. I started my educational career teaching middle school reading, and then moved to elementary school and just kind of taught everything as elementary school teachers do. And then moved into our school STEAM Academy, where the students, it's like an integration with a strong foundation in science and everything else kind of built upon it in the general ed classroom. And then I went into our makerspace position and now finally I'm helping teachers in the integration coach role. So tell me what your day looks like, um, hour by hour, because that was also interesting. (laughs) It is super interesting, and it's never the same. We were talking off the podcast about how there's been some changes in personnel at Wilkinson, so now I'm dipping into a fourth grade classroom to teach the reading block. Um, But before that, I was all over the place helping teachers Um, kind of dive deeper into our new science curriculum and plan some hands-on learning where they can integrate technology. I love robotics. I'm not really great at it, but the kids love it. So I love to kind of pawn off my robotics on classrooms and let the teachers see how excited the kids can get um, with that. But day-to-day, I'm in classrooms. I'm in I'm having kids visit me. I'm kind of all over the place and making connections with our neighbors right here on the corner. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you said that you would like set up your your space for mm-hmm. sort of one grade and then a week and then they would come through when the teachers Exactly. You have yes. to kind of spell the teachers. <laughs> yes, exactly. So a big part of my role is running our STEAM station at Wilkinson. It's a unique space that we have. It's a hands-on learning almost like museum within the school. We converted a classroom to be Um, like a hands-on learning space for science, and we switch it out for each grade level. So it's more of a deeper connection to what they're learning in science each week as a different grade level focus. So sometimes the teachers stay for a little bit with the kids and just see what they're getting into. Sometimes they go and take a much-needed breather from the kids, Um, but I have each grade level visits for a week at a time throughout the school year. So every six weeks, they come into that space. So now you're getting to do that and teach half a day. That's right. <laughs> Never a dull moment in education. Exactly. <laughs> so as we're starting to replan our STEM program and yes. having field trips, yes. etc., what science activities have you found most engaged the students? It's so funny because it's like the simplest things that, you know, you could overthink and plan the craziest, most exciting to you event. And they're like, like, for example, right now we have robotics going in the room. We have a 3D printer going. They are so excited to mix baking soda and vinegar. They are like waiting in line to do that. It's so funny. So it's just like going back to basics and not overthinking things is a good lesson for the kids, but also for us because they're so into just, you know, the little simplest um, representation of what they're learning in their science book. And it's just so fun to watch. Is that so with energy, I know you have one of our bikes. And so to describe the bike, it's a bike that powers Um, a small generator that then will turn on lights or fans exactly Um, and so is that something they love they wait in line we have to say okay you can have one ride and then after everybody gets a turn you get to go again but it's so amazing the first time usually about third grade is when they're tall enough to actually reach the pedals, so i let Mm -hmm. them get on but the first time that they go and they can see that energy you know they're they're bodies powering the lights and the fans and they're just like overjoyed they can't believe it they're so <laughs> excited so that's definitely a big draw in situation yes yeah being so <laughs> probably being so physical too yeah as um, as yeah I add. know I'm like we need a set of these in every classroom life would be much better for everybody I think yeah <laughs> and then you got energy out <laughs> you guys have several different gardens too right butterfly yep. gardens and vegetable gardens yeah you know, and- we have a sensory garden too so each of the beds are um, based on one of the senses and um, the local temples here actually donated their time and they come in every week and work on that garden for us. And our it started with our little kindergarten classes, but all the kids now get in there and enjoy it. And we've got a partnership with Ringling going where we're drawing a field guide to the sensory garden. It's really taken off. That's great. I love nice. to hear about all the partnerships. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's a big part of Wilkinson. We have the community really pouring in there. So it's just such a special, like unique place to be I think. It is and it's such a beautiful campus. You have so many like live oaks that are, are, you know, 100 years old. Yeah, and it's shading really you know, Yeah, from the front it just looks like a regular school. Once you pass through that front office it's like beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a really nice school and it it's is, a title 1 school. It is. Yeah. And so I think there are all, there are no title 1 high schools, right? There are a handful of of middle schools but a bunch of elementary schools I think. Like I 10, 10 or 12 and so. you know I'm very tied to Wilkinson. I yeah. don't even know going on out there but yeah we're title one um it's really important to us to provide these experiences for our students because they're not getting out into the community to see you know to be in a hands-on museum or to visit gardens so if we can bring all that to our school and let our students experience that in their school day it's so powerful for everybody excellent so Mm -hmm. when you're setting up a successful stem or steam program what kind of steps do you take like how do you start thinking about a new activity We always start from the standards and that it's actually been really good for me to learn each grade level standards based on what the state says they need to know about a certain topic. And then we go through and kind of see how deep it is that they need to have an understanding by the time they get to fifth grade, because we want them to leave with a firm understanding. So we kind of look at the standard from kindergarten all the way through fifth grade and then where these students fall like age-wise in there Mm -hmm. and then plan things, plan experiences and experiments and investigations that they can grasp that understanding based on the state standards. Okay. And so every student, is this what they get tested on in the FSAs or whatever is going to become FSA next? Yeah. In fifth grade, they take a science FSA. Mm -hmm. And then, so we are, are always trying to make sure that kids are ready for that in fifth grade, but the standards, there's big bands or big ideas, they call it, and they stretch from kindergarten through fifth grade. And they, our district has done a really great job of showing us like the differences between each grade level and what they need to know. And some things like they'll learn in second grade and they won't revisit it and they'll be tested on it in fifth grade. So we want to make sure they keep up you know, their education and their learning based on those standards. Okay. So what what big things do they have to learn? Like give me an example of like some of the big bands. Um, with, There's earth and space science, life science, those kinds of things. So based, you know, if we're looking at life science, some grade levels are going to be getting into plant parts and female versus male plant parts. Some of them are just going to be identifying parts of the plant. So it's just being like the nuance between the grade levels. So for example, right now when I head back to school, I'm going to be getting steam station ready for life science but I'll be starting with second grade it's just the way the schedule mm-hmm. works so I'm going to look at their standards first and then I'll be down to first and then kindergarten and then back up to fifth as we get closer to the state test in May we're going to be doing more of like an intensive um week or a few weeks with fifth grade just so that we can see what they need to know and get in some fun experiences to trick them into learning to be ready for the test <laughs> as soon as you say life sciences I think yeah. of uh of uh, the just dros- the drosophila you know we, we yes. have to raise the fruit flies yes is that, exactly is that older that's probably more middle school right i think it is yeah mm-hmm. and we what i one really exciting purchase that i just got was um and i just scared everybody in our front office with it but i got frogs that are in like little tiles but they're real frogs it's the life cycle of mm-hmm. frog so the kids can pick it up and see you know, from every... I should have brought them over here. From every angle. It's so cool. Like, when do you get to do that? You know, Right. So, so. It's, I know that they start dissecting in probably eighth grade in, like, yeah. biology. So, this yeah. is almost like they're dissected and then sort of, it, like, It's like in, they're still intact, mm-hmm. but they're, it's almost like they're in resin. I don't oh. know. But you can pick it up and it's clear. You can see it from every angle, all the different you know, stages of life. It's so cool. I would have wanted that. It was cool. There's so many different things out there. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Yeah. So if you could change anything about how kids are educated in the U.S., what would it be? And how would you do it? Because, you know, there's a lot of criticism about it. Oh yeah, everybody's got something to say. Right? So what do you have to say? <laughs> well, we've been doing a lot of talking at Wilkinson, especially over the past few weeks about siloed learning and how, you know, we're going to go from math class to science class to reading and really we, everything should be, you know, based on the student's interest, of course, based on what they need to know, but it should be messier, I think. Like I shouldn't have a teacher's edition of a reading curriculum, and then a teacher's edition of a science curriculum. It should be more, you know, where they can build upon each other. So Interdisciplinary. Exactly. And hopefully one day, you know, the powers that be can change the thinking. But for now, we're doing what we can. (laughs) So I know that they're like Montessori or like Newgate is part of Montessori or the Waldorf schools. They really like let kids really kind of take their own right. direction with things yeah. and we don't do so much that in the public schools and homeschooling does too yeah do you ever see kids yeah. that come from those situations and how they come into public school can you tell a difference in well I'm one of those okay. kids. <laughs> it's funny like when I learned like in my own um, like when I was in teaching school mm-hmm. learning about those different types I was like oh like when I was little I went to school and I in a house. And there were like 20 of us from age five to 15. Like I didn't realize it was like an unschooled thing. Mm -hmm. So then I moved to Florida and went to traditional schools and I didn't even really realize the huge drastic change it was. Um, so I think it's just, you know, and that's where it's been in the back of my head, like school should be hands-on. It should be student directed. And I think most teachers also think that way. And it's just finding the balance between, you know, how we're supposed to teach or what our curriculum looks like and then what we know the kids need and just getting creative there and, you know, kind of paving our own way a little bit. That's really interesting, though, that you had both of those experiences and now you're in public education. So you don't think that, there, um, like that the way that public education is terrible compared no. to the way you were educated no That's and it's, once you're in i mean i think the greater um public thinks of school it's like that meme like what my family thinks i do based like yeah. what i actually do and school is not you know everybody sit in rows and face the board and you know You're silent now and I'm in charge, but it's not like that nowadays. If you walked into classrooms at Wilkinson, you would see the kids all talking to each other, learning from each other, hands-on stuff going on. It gets messy sometimes, but it's so fun. It's not what, you know, the public thinks is going on. So you just have to have, I think, administrators... I of that sorry <laughs> you about. <laughs> but you have to have administrators that believe in the teachers and the teachers that believe in each other and just you know all working together to reach the kids in unique ways that's yeah. what education is I think it's not what the public thinks it is but yeah, yeah. so they think and even parents because I've got two kids in the yeah. public education system yeah. think that they teach the FSAs a lot especially in the younger grades yeah um, yeah there's a lot of pressure out there yeah And it's true, and the teachers do feel the pressure, but when it comes down to it, that's, you know, a couple of days in the life of an eight year old. You know, like, we can't teach the whole year to you know pressure them into that. Yeah. no it's really good but it also I think that that's a great philosophy and then yeah. also but like you said there are things they need to learn. Yeah. So, I think some people who are good at some students who are good at math and science would never want to read like history or especially English. Right. Yeah. But it's so reading right. is so important. Yeah. So, it's good yeah. it's good to be like no you still have to read. You can read yeah. about math and exactly. science and, but yeah, encouraging them to just find their passion because if they Got a book about Minecraft or whatever it is these yeah. days. They will read it and then teach them the standards based on that. You know, you just got to get creative with it a little. And then when they get into the higher grades, it's much easier for them to decide kind of what yeah, like to what path yeah, and hopefully we've given them enough experiences in the different you know in the world so they know kind of what their interests are yep you know especially at a title one school they may not never they may never know that they were good at for example being on the morning news or they may not know that they're good at 3d printing or 3d design you know so it's just giving them like little tastes of things when they're little that hopefully they can build on it as they get older or gardening I know or gardening so working on that (laughs) my green thumb. my mom's gonna be So impressed when she hears this podcast because she's got the green thumb. So I really tried not to get it from her. So here we are (laughs) making connections with our garden here. That's right. (laughs) Okay. So for my last question, what do you think the most rewarding aspect of teaching STEAM specifically is for you? Um, I think it's seeing the kids like see their light bulb go off, which is so cliche, but it's like seeing the kids find, find a passion that they may not have known that they had. We were talking about the Fab Lab a little bit ago because that's one of our neighbors that we also shared a backyard with. And we had a club where we brought our students over to the Fab Lab. And one of our fifth grade girls walked in. She, like, got choked up and emotional. She was like, I love it here because I'm going to be an astronaut one day. And we were like, yes, you are going to be an astronaut one day. You can do anything. And it was just, like, so cool that we were able to, like guide that conversation with her bring her to a new space where that's like honored and she can learn it was amazing so like seeing little you know things like that or the kids coming back to visit and remembering some of their fun stuff but those are I think my favorites yeah that's awesome so always oh, that personal connection yeah that's what that's what I find working here too yeah, is totally. it's such a personal connection yeah yeah definitely so <laughs> well thank you Tessa and thanks for listening to The Peel thank you to get involved with South Bay Sarasota at the Florida House, visit southbayorg Sarasota. Until next time, stay sunny.